We're going to be in John chapter 21. Now, on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he was sent bound to Caiaphas, the high priest's palace, his home there. And Peter was following behind at a distance. And when he was let in through the gate, he was let into the outer courtyard. And we're told that there was a fire of coals that was there. And there were servants of the high priest warming themselves by that fire. And because it was a cold night, Peter himself joined them. And he was warming himself with them. He stood with them and warmed himself, it says. And we're told that three different servants asked Peter, saying, Aren't you one of Christ's disciples? Aren't you one of his disciples? And three times he denied that he was his disciple. He denied that he even knew him. And immediately the cock crew, on that third time the cock crew, just as the Lord said that he would that that cock would crow on that third time when, when Peter denied him. And at this, Luke tells us that Peter went out and wept bitterly. And then Christ, the King of the Jews, was crucified to redeem the sins of his people, to redeem his people, to put away their sins forever, to deliver them from the wrath of God and to give them life, hope in himself. And he never saw corruption, for God raised him from the dead, just as Christ said that the Lord would raise him. And he began to build his temple, just like he said. He, he being delivered from death, delivered his people, delivered his people and gave them life and built his temple, which is the church. And it's through his redemption that our Lord does that. He builds his church. He adds to the church as he sees fit. He gives his Holy Spirit to give life to his people, to give them a new birth, a spiritual birth, after the seed of Christ, and to, to take that word which the church preaches and declares of her Savior, to take that word and to make it effectual in the hearts of the Lord's people, his redeemed people, to make us to hear that word and to receive that word and to believe the Lord Jesus Christ. And in preaching that word, she's fulfilling the great commission that Christ has given her. And we've been seeing how that these last couple of chapters regard the commission that Christ has given to his church. And we see how he's teaching her and preparing his church to go forth, to lay down her life for Christ, for love's sake, to preach this glorious redemption that Christ has accomplished for his people. Now it's been at least a couple of weeks since Christ was raised from the dead. And he's a couple of weeks now that the Lord's been appearing to his disciples. And it tells us in John 21 verse 14 that this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. And it might even be the fourth time that he showed himself to Peter. But right now, neither Peter nor Christ have said anything about Peter's 
denial of the Lord. And if you've ever been in a situation like that where you know that some things were said or done to hurt a person, to hurt someone that you care about, you yearn, you, you long for that, that, that block, that what's standing in the way. You yearn for that to be removed and put out of the way, to get past that and to reconcile with them. You want that, that, that fault of yours to be dealt with and, and can we move on? Can there be reconciliation? Can there be forgiveness? And so you can imagine that Peter was longing to speak to the Lord. And at the time, he was the only one on the shore, on the land, with Christ. He made it there first. He jumped into the sea and he made it there first. And the others were still coming along in the boat, dragging that net behind them. But the Lord said to Peter, when they stood there on the shore, the Lord said to Peter, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And so Peter went. That, that discussion, whatever Peter was thinking, whatever he might have wanted to say would be delayed a little longer. Because now he went and grabbed that net and was doing what the Lord told him to do. But when our Lord does finally speak with Peter, we see the grace and the wisdom of our Lord in restoring Peter. And he does this through a question. A question that he asks him three times. Lovest thou me? That's how he does it. Lovest thou me? So here we are again around a warming fire of coals. And just like, it's just like when Peter denied his Lord, except this time it's not dark, it's morning. It's morning. There's a, there's a breaking of the morning light, and Peter's not surrounded by enemies, but among friends. And he and the disciples have eaten a meal, a good meal of fish, a meal of bread prepared for them, by the Lord himself, who prepared that meal for them to eat, their risen Lord and Savior. And it's here that Christ restores Peter with that question. Lovest thou me? Let's read this in John 21, verse 15 through 17. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And it's not necessarily clear what he was speaking of. Is he referring to the ships and the nets and the occupation of being a fisherman, literally a fisherman? Or is he saying, Peter, do you love me now more than your brethren, whom you boasted and said, though all others should betray you? I'll never betray you, Lord. So it's not really clear what he means when he says, lovest thou me more than these? But I'm thankful for that question, because when the Lord asks us that question, it may be different. It may be different. The, the thing that, that has our heart, the thing that, that would take our heart away in the flesh might be different from what it was for Peter. But the Lord asks us, lovest thou me more than these? Whatever that might be. Whatever that might be. And he saith unto him, Peter says unto the Lord, yea, Lord, Thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. 
He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? Not grieved with the Lord, but reminded. Reminded of how he had denied his Lord three times. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You're almighty God. And you know all things. And you knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. You know, the Lord asks his people questions in the scriptures. There's a, a, a lot of questions that the Lord asks his people in the scriptures. And it's not because our God doesn't know the answer. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But in wisdom, he asks us this question because it makes us to consider who we are or what we're doing. It makes us to consider ourselves not as man sees himself, not as we see ourselves, but wait a minute, if he's asking me that question, how does the Lord see me? What does the Lord see in me? What is he exposing now by asking me that question? And so the Lord uses questions in the scripture to make us to consider what does the Lord see? Because I'm not seeing it, but now I'm, now I'm seeing it. Now I'm starting to think I see what he's saying because something's not right. And he knows it. And now I know it. And I know that he knows it. For example, in Genesis 3, Adam, where art thou? And Adam was made to know, I'm hiding. I'm hiding. I'm afraid of the Lord. Another question, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now Adam was really made to think and to know his fault and what he had done. Another question we saw recently, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou and whither wilt thou go? Right? He, he identified her, Hagar. You're the servant of Sarah. What are you doing here? Where, do you, where are you going? Where do you think you're going to go? What do you think you're going to do? You, you're appointed to minister to Sarah. And then our Lord asked his disciples several times, what was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? And that must have struck them in the heart because the Lord knew that they were boasting of themselves as he's going to the cross to lay down his life who him who is the greatest is taking the place of the servant to lay down his life for the the children for the people for his children and they're arguing about who's the greatest he's the greatest and they were ashamed when he asked them that question and so all these questions they reveal to us what we are in the sight of Almighty God who knows our hearts and knows our thoughts and knows what we have done and knows what we will do and knows us better than we know ourselves.
And so now the Lord asks Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? The Lord's purpose in this is one of grace. Our Lord is gracious. He's gracious, and he has a gracious purpose here to restore Peter. Peter has fallen. Peter is troubled. I can only imagine what Peter was thinking of what he could do to restore himself, to gain back the favor of Christ. I can only imagine it because I know I've thought in my own heart foolish things, foolish things when I've sinned and, and when I've done something that I know is wrong and feel horrible about it. Because we run here when we run there and we look to, to do it, fix it this way and to fix it that way and to put our hand to it. And the Lord stops Peter. He stops Peter from his mind racing. You notice that Christ didn't ask Peter, Peter, what have you done for me lately? What are you doing, Peter? What, what, what are you thinking, Peter? Are you repenting, Peter? Are you doing things differently now, Peter? How are you going to show me that you're sorry, Peter? He never says that. He never turns Peter to his flesh. He simply asks Peter, Lovest thou me? Do you love me, Peter? Because where there's love for Christ, there's life. And, and you that love Christ, we, 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 we are weak. We are foolish. We are unable to save ourselves. But the Lord gives to his people love in their heart for the Lord. They love him. They return to, to the Lord, to love him. We love him, John said in 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved, up, loved us. That's why we can say where there's love, there's life. Because whom the Lord loves... He gives life, and he gives love in their heart for the Lord. Not because we think we're something, not because we see ourselves as we think we should see. All I know is that I was blind, and now I see. All I know is I'm a sinner, saved by the grace of God. Christ gave his life for sinners, and he's turned me and delivered me from trusting my works and working to save myself, and he's turned me to look to him, to believe Christ, and rest there. And that's the hardest thing for the flesh, to rest in the faith that the Lord gives his people in Christ. And yet, it's blessed. It's wonderful. And he does. He makes us to, to lie down in green pastures. He makes us to lie down in green pastures in Christ, to rest in him. And so, our Lord asks this question... And in asking that question, he's, he's putting Peter's mind on what's important. He's making Peter to know what's important, to know that he loves Christ. He's making Peter to know that he loves Christ. He's putting Peter's mind on Christ. And whatever Peter has done, his love for Christ has not changed. And he's bringing that out. He's pressing Peter in that to see and to know Christ didn't turn me to the flesh. There's nothing I can do to, to turn myself from this. And he's putting my heart, my mind, my thoughts on the love that he's filled my heart with for him. That's why it, it so troubles me to sin. And, and that's why, you know, for Peter, for me, for you, we're, we're, 
we're affected by our sin. It troubles us. We don't want to, to sin because we know that that sin was paid for by Christ my Savior. He paid. He gave his life. He shed his blood for my sin. And, and, and we don't want that. And his love teaches us not to love our sin, to turn us from our sin and to turn us from the flesh. The second thing we see in, in setting Peter's mind on what's important, his love for Christ, is that our Lord is lifting that burden of shame and guilt from Peter. He's taking him out of that because he, he'd sit in that beating himself up for a long time because we do that too, don't we? we when we've sinned, we will heap it upon ourselves and we'll, we'll it's really not much different from, from you know, those stories of, of uh, Martin Luther. You hear of him climbing steps on his knees on concrete and whipping his back and, and trying to purge himself of, of his sin. Right? And that's what we do by heaping on ourselves insults and, and just constantly telling ourselves what failures we are. But Christ is lifting that burden of shame and guilt off of him by turning him to what's important, Christ, Christ, and we love him. And there's nothing we can do to deliver ourselves or to change the sins that we've committed and the, the faults that we've made. There's nothing we can do about it, but Christ doesn't, he turns us to himself. He turns us to him. You can't make it right. Christ, his blood made it right. His blood has put away our sins forever. And there's nothing we can do to make it go away even more. We rest in Christ. We trust Him. We believe Him. And that's His comfort to us. And so our Lord is lifting the burden. He's not, he's not asking this question three times just to put His nose in it. You know, the way you would take a, a puppy dog and put their nose in what they've just done. When they ripped apart a couch cushion or something like that. He's not putting His nose in it to say, you, you've done wrong. He's not petty. Our Lord isn't vindictive. He doesn't do that. He's not inflicting punishment or hurt upon him. He's not giving him little digs and, and, and doing mean things to make him feel bad. Peter needed this. Peter needed this. I, Peter needed to know that there was nothing hidden from the Lord. The Lord knew everything he did. The Lord knew exactly what he did. And this is rooting out from Peter's mind, well, maybe the Lord doesn't know I did this, or maybe he doesn't know I said that. No, the Lord's saying, I know exactly what you did, Peter. I know what you did. I know what you said. I know how many times you said it. I know what you were thinking and, and, and what you did, so that Peter knows the Lord is, he knows everything, and yet he bids me come, and yet he receives me, and yet he's merciful and gracious to me, a sinner. It's not because he doesn't know I'm a sinner. He doesn't know the half of it. No, he knows everything that you and I have done. And yet he says, come unto me. All ye that hunger and are weary and laboring and thirsting for righteousness, who have no righteousness of your own, come unto me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. I've provided everything you need. You come to me. And so Peter's learning the grace of the Lord, just as he's learned the weakness and the sinfulness of his flesh, how self-seeking the flesh is, how, how we do the things that we do in this flesh, because this flesh 
is sin. This flesh is corrupt. It's ruined in, in Adam. This flesh isn't any better. This flesh isn't improving. We're not improving this flesh. Christ has saved us in spite of what we are. And he's provided everything for us. And he's given us life in the new man by his spirit, by his seed, born of that incorruptible seed of Christ. And so he's, he's provided everything. And so the Lord, to help him, to, to make him Peter to know this, he asks him these questions three times. And Peter now is helped and enabled to say three times, I love thee, Lord. I said it three times, I denied thee. Lord, I love thee. I love thee. Thank you for allowing me to say that. Thank you for pressing me to say, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. You know my faults, but you know I love, uh, I love thee because you've done that. And he humbles Peter. It humbles us. It, it, it is humbling to know that I can't fix it and I can't make it right and I can't do everything right and, and, and just be there all the time to do the right thing, the Lord knows that we're weak and full of faults, that, that we are in this flesh sinners, sinners in this flesh. But he makes us to know that, that we would confess our sin to him and cry to him for mercy, not become so, so strong and so able in ourselves that we don't need him. We're always going to need the Lord. We're never going to outgrow our need of the Lord. Even in glory, it's going to be in Christ. We're going to worship God in Christ. We're going to be in Christ always. Turn over to Romans 7. Romans 7, and let's look at verse 20 through 25. Paul says, Romans 7, verse 20, Now if I do that I would not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's that, 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 that new man which is born of the seed of Christ in us, that believes, that cannot sin, that can only believe Christ always. This flesh can only not believe but that new man, that work of grace in us, can only believe Christ and cannot sin. But he sees that Paul, see, he's made to see that, that law, that, that he believes Christ, but this flesh is full of sin. And this flesh doesn't believe. And this flesh wars against that which is born in us of Christ. So I see another law, he says in verse 23, in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, the law of faith, the law of love and the law of liberty, knowing that I stand complete in Christ but with the flesh, the law of sin. I yet still see sin in my members, waiting for that redemption when Christ returns and raises this body anew. And I shall be made like unto him, for I shall see him as he is. That's what he's saying. And that's what we, we see and are made to know. And Paul would go on to explain to the Philippians what the Lord taught him in regards to his flesh, to have no confidence in it. Philippians 3.3, 3, and we have no confidence in 
the flesh. No confidence. And so Peter was being taught, and, and the Lord was making this connection for him. Peter, have no confidence in this flesh. I'm your confidence. I'm your all. And what you're going to do in service to me and feeding my sheep, it's because I'm your strength. I'm your righteousness. I'm your keeper. I'm your provider. And, and you're going to go and fulfill this commission, Peter, because I've sent you. And you're my chosen vessel for this work. That's what he's teaching Peter. And so the Lord strips Peter of his vain confidences. And that's what he does for us. He strips us of our vain confidences. And Peter's focus is put on what's important. Love for Christ. Love for Christ. And so the Lord is showing us you cannot work, put, work down your debt. You can't pay it off. You cannot beat yourself and, and whittle it down. He doesn't call us to that. He simply says, lovest thou me. And he puts our eyes on Christ, because that's where they need to be. He is salvation. And then the other thing we see there is that our Lord never forsook Peter. He didn't shun him. He didn't put him out. He didn't shun Peter. He restored Peter with love, and he assured Peter of his standing in Christ. And I know that he was restoring him and, and, and assuring him of his standing in Christ, because he told him, feed my lambs, Peter. Feed my sheep. Of all the disciples that forsook the Lord that night, they all forsook him, and Peter went even further in denying him three times. And to show that Christ saves the worst of sinners, not only does he save the worst of sinners, but he calls Peter out of them all to, to labor and work mightily in the church. Because remember, Peter was used to preach that word on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and 3,000 souls were added to the church that first day. And then think of Paul. And Paul was a persecutor of the church. He definitely threw people in jail, if not was directly responsible for their deaths, even believers. And yet the Lord brought him in and showed him how, many, how great things he must suffer for the Lord's sake, for the Lord's church, and, and to do what the Lord would do. And so we see our Lord's love for his disciples and we see our Lord's power to change the hearts of his people and to put them in service to his, in his kingdom. And it's a high honor to preach the gospel, to, to feed the sheep of the Lord with the preaching of the gospel to his children. And that's amazing because when someone shows their colors, and shows what sinners they are, the last thing we want to do is let them near our children. It's the last thing we want to do. And yet the Lord says to Peter, you feed my lambs. You feed my most precious, tender children. Feed them and feed my sheep, Peter. And so that's the power of God. We can't work that in the hearts of people, but the Lord Jesus Christ is able. He's able. And this tells us something about the first and the primary qualification of a pastor that he first loved Christ, that he first loves Christ. And that's, if he doesn't love Christ, then he's got no business preaching the gospel. If he doesn't love, love Christ, because it's going to be a labor of love, and you're going to see how insufficient you are and how weak you are, and he's going to show you your faults, and he's going to show you the faults of your brethren and how slow we are to hear, and, and, and I know because how slow I am to hear and how thick-headed I am in my own self 
But I'm thankful for those times because it teaches me to be patient with the Lord's people because I heard it over and over and over and over and over again. And it's only by the grace of God when he wills to give it to you and he makes you to hear it and to walk in that way that you hear it. And it's little by little and it's little by little. And if he taught me that way, well, then certainly he teaches you that way. And so it sets my expectation because it's, it's the Lord labored long with me. And so that's how he labors with all of us. He, it's a long, it's a labor of love. And so that the, chief comp, the chief qualification, right? There's a lot of things that men look to to decide whether someone's qualified for the ministry, but the chief of them According to what Christ asked Peter was, lovest thou me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And so he teaches us in that, that it's not about driving the sheep of Christ hard, but gently, because sheep frighten easily. From what I've seen, they get, most animals do, they get frightened very easily, especially by, by man. And, and so we drive them, we don't drive them hard, but gently. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2 says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. It's done. What was needed has been done. Your redemption has been made by the blood of Christ, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord, past tense, of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And verse 11 of that same chapter in Isaiah 40, it says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And so Christ told Peter, Feed my lambs and twice feed my sheep. What is it to feed the lambs and the sheep of God. What is it to feed? How do we feed? How, how am I to feed Christ's lambs and to feed his sheep? Because he's saying, you that believe, you that the Lord gathers together, you're his lambs. You're his sheep. He calls you lambs and sheep who are to be led gently and to be carried gently in the arms of your Lord. How am I to feed the Lord's lambs and sheep? Well, what did Peter do? He stood up and he preached Christ. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached Christ crucified and Christ raised from the dead, that he is both Lord and Christ according to the will of God. We're not sent to teach morality, to exalt and to preach Moses or Bible stories as good as they are. We're sent to preach Christ. And that in this word, it's testifying of Christ. Why? Because Christ is salvation. Not your goodness, not your morals, not your ethics, not your understanding of doctrine and, and of the, and memorizing this. It speaks of Christ. Just as our Lord testified and, and declared Christ in all the scriptures, that's what we are to preach. That's how you are fed. That's how you are nourished. That's how you are strengthened is with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Peter was a man of great zeal, great zeal, and yet he failed miserably. 
he was a strong man. He was, he was willing to say and speak up and to call people out and call them to the carpet. And, and, and he could say anything to anybody, but he failed miserably. And so the Lord turned him from the strength of his own hand and the strength of, of his own nature and what came easy to him and turned him to love, to love, to love Christ, to love them. And, 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 as, and, and preaching Christ, we're to declare Christ not as you see yourselves. <laughs> we're not to speak to you as, as we see ourselves, but as our Lord describes us and declares what we are in the scriptures as, as the Lord sees us. Even if, whoever you are, I'm to preach Christ faithfully and to show you your need of him always and, your, and his sufficiency always because the Lord's always ministering that to us. He's always showing us our need of him because it keeps us looking to the one who saves, the Lord Jesus Christ. And takes our eyes off of this flesh, which is only corrupt and a failure. And it puts us our eyes on, the, on Christ, our Lord. And so I was reading earlier in John 6. And I'll just go back there to John 6 and verse 48. I'll pick up where our Lord says. I just want to read it again. He said, I am that bread of life. John 6, 48. I am that bread of life. Verse 49. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. There's a lot of people that partake of religious things and they die. They're dead spiritually and they die in the way. They die in the wilderness. This, he said, is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof. Remember, he told Peter, feed my sheep. And he's saying here, this is the bread which came down from, which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And we know the Jews were upset by that. And they strove and argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, Ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my, drink, my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat man, not as they ate of religious things, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And so, we, to, to feed the lambs and to feed the sheep is to preach Christ, to preach Christ crucified, to preach what Christ has accomplished in his redeeming death and shedding his blood to put away the sins of of his people, you that this day believe on him, who have no righteousness of your own, but look to him and trust him and believe him that he is the righteousness whom the Father sent. He is the Savior. He saves his people to the uttermost. And so we declare what he has done for his people. 
And he's the one in, in that preaching. He said, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. You, you just exalt me. You lift me up, and I'll draw all men to me. And, and our God teaches his people. He instructs his people. He heals the broken heart because we are broken. We are messed up in this flesh by nature. We are a broken people, a ruined people. We mess things up left and right and get things wrong, and things just don't work out the way we like them to. And he heals that broken heart, and he reconciles those things. He reconciles us by, by reconciling us to God, by, by making peace with God. And he gives us his spirit, and his spirit teaches us to look to him, to believe him, to trust him, to rest in him. And so it's a patient work in preaching Christ because by the things I say and the things I do, I don't affect anything. I don't make things happen. And, I, and, and, and as we saw before, it's a gentle leading. It's a patient work. We continue to preach Christ and preach Christ and preach Christ. And, and it's not by the will of my, my flesh. It's not by the strength or my abilities to speak well or not. It's not by those things. I can't drive you and make you believe anything. I can't even make myself believe anything. It's by the grace of God. And, and so that's how the Lord teaches his people. He works this in their hearts patiently. Our Lord, those disciples walked with Christ for a long time. And they still forsook him on that night. And the Lord restored them. It's a, it's a long, patient walk that the Lord teaches us and, and gives us and brings us along carefully and, and slowly. As Peter said, and being taught this, he says, not as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Being examples to the flock. And, you know, I was thinking before as I was finishing this up, and this, Matthew records this, and so does Luke. And in Matthew 24, in verse 45, just made me think of this as I was putting this together. He said, He then, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season, right? To feed my lambs and my sheep, to give them meat in due season. Who is that? Blessed is he that, blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming. That means he's going to change his tactics and what he does in teaching the people. He's going to stop preaching Christ and he's going to start whipping them and beating them with the law. He delays his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. Right? He, he, by another spirit, thinks he's going to affect these things and work these things in the people of God. And so he'll beat them and, and whip them. Well, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he's not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and point him his portion with the hypocrites. And so I'm not to turn to any other thing but to preach Christ. To preach Christ. He's, he's the one who's going to teach you and instruct you, and he manifests them that are his by faith by faith, that looks to Christ and believes him and rests in him. And so this love for Christ is 
what causes us, what drives us to, to fulfill his commission, to go and, and to make disciples, declaring Christ, preaching Christ, feeding the lambs and the sheep of God. And, and I've about run out of time, so let me just quickly finish up the chapter where he tells Peter how he's going to die. That he's, that he's going to, to be stretched out. He's going to be crucified like his Lord. And, and that's what the Lord does. He calls all his sheep to follow him, to lay down their lives, to take up their cross, and, and to lay down their lives daily following Christ, following them. And then Peter looked back and he saw John and he said, well, what about him? How's he going to die? And the Lord said, what's that to you? If, I, if he lives till I return again, what's that to you? And, and, and the way I hear that, what he's saying is, we're not all called to the same work. I mean, we're all called to this, to this commission, but we all are different members in the body, and some are going to be afflicted more than others. Some will have different, different trials and, and different hardships and different afflictions, and that's okay. Because the Lord's going to give grace and the measure of faith as is needed in the body and so it's okay. If you bear more than another, don't worry about them. You just trust the Lord, and you do what the Lord has called you to do in ministering this work and, and, and being fellow laborers in this fellowship, in this one ship, preaching the gospel, declaring the gospel, getting this gospel out because we're doing all things for the elect's sake, for the elect's sake, because that's how the Lord saves his people and feeding them. Verse 25 says, at the end of the chapter, there are also many other things which our Lord did. We see in this thing how the Lord is showing us his commission and how tenderly he ministers to his servants and his ministers to preach Christ. We see that there in John 20 and 21. It's the commission. And there's many other things that the Lord did that confirm this to our hearts, that show us the preciousness of Christ, that show us our need of him. The which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. And that's, right, I think it's Psalm 116, where David says, I love the Lord because, because. And we all have been taught graciously by the Lord, each one of us. Lovest thou me? Yes, I love the Lord because. Because he loved me and because he laid down his life for me. And so we all have a story. We all have a testimony of what the Lord has done for us. And so, lovest thou me? What a, that's the testimony here of, of John. Just how precious the Lord Jesus Christ is. And everything he did, it's all woven. I look forward to the day when I come back and I'd like to preach through John again. Now, now that we're finished here, I'd like to preach through it again because it's so precious and so full of Christ. And there's so many intricate details that we never noticed. And I'm sure each time we go through it, we'll see him more and more precious. But I pray the Lord bless his word tonight, and, and every time you open it up, and every time we gather together to hear it, that he bless your hearts and show you Christ, because he is salvation. He's all that we need. Amen.